Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So good, so good. Last weekend, I was down in the Eastern Cape, and uh, I was down in the metropolis of Tarkistat. Kind of like, where is that? Yeah. So it's in the Eastern Cape. It's in a farming community, and uh, we've been involved with the the followers of Jesus in that area there oh, since the late 1970s, early 1980s. We've uh, we've we've been involved there. I remember my first trip there was about 1983. I was still a youngster then, and um, there were all kinds of uh, amazing things that God was doing there in terms of bringing freedom and life in that farming community. And so I was gathering with a number of church leaders last week and then I stayed over to, to minister in the church there on the Sunday. And it was such a great thing to see how the place was packed with people. Yeah? Do you remember on the 26th of December, which followed the 25th of December? Yeah, you that, remember that revelation I brought you, like the 26th, which is a Monday and we were driving around, and on the lamppost was a headline from the newspaper referring, obviously, to Christmas Day. It said, churches packed as South Africans seek solutions. That's amazing. I mean, the newspapers are prophesying. I mean, if a donkey can prophesy, then maybe it's possible in news. I, I know it's hard to believe, really. Hard to believe it. Maybe the newspapers could prophesy. I believe that actually that wasn't just referring to what happened the day before. I believe it was prophesying what God is wanting to do in our nation and in the world. And so the stories that were coming from some of these church leaders is that the gatherings that they're having, they now have to find extra seats to bring in because of the people coming for the meetings on Sundays. Yay! Yeah. Now we know it's not just about Sundays, you know, we, we understand that Monday through Saturday is as important as Sunday, maybe even more so. Let me try this bunch over on this side over here. We're called to be salt and light, and if we're all together in the salt shaker, it's not making a difference. It's only when the salt gets out that it begins to make a difference. Sundays we all gathered, that's not making a difference as much as when we are spread out. So we are the church gathered, we also the church scattered. Church is people of God, church is not a building. Church is not a meeting, church is us. And sometimes we are together and sometimes we're out there. Yay! We're making a difference, right? And so it's wonderful though when people are gathering, because what it's giving us indication is that more people are yielding their lives to the Lordship of Jesus, and some of the lost sheep are being found. They're coming back. I mean, there was a couple of people that hadn't been back for three years. Apparently, some little microscopic thing was preventing them. But they found courage and boldness 
to step out from being in, in their caves is a wonderful. And watching more and more people come. And so they're having to go and find extra seats to accommodate the people that are coming. I think that that's something to do with that prophetic word. Churches are packed as South Africans are seeking solutions. Yeah. Now, the Lord moves powerfully when things are going well and when things are going poorly. Yes? He can deliver whether by many or by few. You know that scripture? Okay, just nod and just look it up afterwards. Okay. So, the, the thing is that most often through the Old Testament we see the accounts where the people of God, when things were going really well, you know, bumper crops, fantastic harvest, they would take their leisure, but they would also drift from the Lord. That's not the Lord's preferred plan. I mean, he's releases blessing and goodness and favor. Blessed that you might be a blessing. Right? The blessings of the Lord are not meant to cause you to become disconnected from the Lord. But because the Lord loves people so much, He sometimes allows circumstances to get our attention. And He puts the squeeze on things that He might draw us to Himself. And so often we see the pattern in the Old Testament. How the people of God would experience difficulties in their circumstances. You'll come across a phrase quite often. And in their distress, they cried out to the Lord. Yeah, familiar phrase, right? Yeah, because it appears a few times. Because unfortunately, with human nature, when everything is going well... We think we can just rely on ourselves. We don't need the Lord. And the Lord is okay with allowing circumstances to give us that little wake-up call. It's like an alarm clock. It's irritating, but it gets your attention. Tough circumstances are irritating, but they get our attention. This is the holy crowd over here. Let me try this bunch. When... When things are going a little bit tough in your lives, does your prayer levels go up or do they go down? Generally, our prayer is increased in its intensity when we're facing difficult things. For us, that's that same thing. In their distress, they cried out to the Lord. It's the same kind of pattern. Okay? Well, God loves people so much, even those who not yet walking in relationship with him and he's allowing some of the circumstances of life to get uncomfortable that will cause them to have a wake-up experience. Now, for us, we're going through the same kind of circumstances. We are already awake in the Lord. 
But we bear the circumstances for the sake of our neighbors. The circumstances are like load shedding, water shedding, bank account shedding, interest rates, right? I mean, it's just like all these different issues that we're facing in life that cause us to be a little uncomfortable are the same factors that are going to draw a harvest into the kingdom. And so for the sake of those who are not yet in the kingdom, we're okay. We're going to go through this. We say, Lord, you're with me. I'm going to make it. It's tough. I prefer to be a little bit more comfortable. Okay, two honest people in the building. That's good. It's church. It's nice. We prefer comfort. But for the sake of those who still need to be woken up, we say, Lord... Your will be done. We're going to be okay. We're going to trust in you. You're going to get us through this. But in all of this, there's going to be advance. There's going to be increase. Good is going to come through all of this. We will see, taste, experience the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yeah, that's the promise. So at the moment, tough circumstances. But our confidence is this. God's got us, and he's got this. And he's going to see us through. And as he sees us through, many more people are going to be woken up, and they're going to come to realize, wow, he actually is good. And yield their lives to him. All right? So we're okay with this. And so we're watching now churches beginning to get filled up, if you like, with people that are coming into the family. And even here at Breakthrough, there's just a big surge in terms of the number of people who are being added into the family. But this is happening all over the country. Yay! All right? So that causes us to step into peace. Like, oh no, not another interest rate hike. Oh no, did you see the cost of groceries? Like last month, Compared to this month, 14% up. How are we going to manage? All these different things that we're facing. Okay, Lord, it's time for some of that supernatural stuff to take place. Like fish, bread. Multiply. You've got your grocery cupboard, put all the groceries in, lay hands. Lord, flour and oil, not run out. And the chips especially. (laughs) No, not the chips, we want to eat healthily. But you understand, we're asking the Lord to do miraculous things. We've... We just had a a testimony again of somebody that their petrol gauge keeps resetting up. Like they do a trip and they come back and then they check the gauge, it's up. Another trip, check at the end of the trip, 
Okay. Now, the Lord can do various kinds of things. It's like he can help you save on your electricity bill. But just like turning off the power for a few hours. (laughs) So you don't have to consume. (laughs) No, he doesn't do that. Eskim does that. Church is packed as South Africans are seeking solutions. These are good days. God is doing amazing things. Gave us an example in the natural. And we know this, right? People of the Spirit. People who follow Jesus. Yes. I mean, Jesus said to his disciples, Listen, dudes. You looking around. You see the signs. Sunset. What's going on? You, you can read the signs of the times, okay? But can you interpret what's happening spiritually? So in the natural, there in the Eastern Cape, there was this massive cut-off low, this rain cell that was going to be like dropping mega amounts of water over the Eastern Cape. And we were going to be there. And we were kind of like, okay, Lord... We've seen what happened in KZN when that same kind of weather system took place there. We're asking, Lord, intervene. We're good for rain because there are a lot of farmers around. We're good for rain. We're asking no destruction. Well, it rained and it rained and it rained. We looked for the ark. We couldn't find it. But there was no destruction. Except, I think, for the casino in Queenstown. I think the casino took a hammering. Yeah. But the, the distraction, which the, the, the authorities were warning about, didn't take place. This is amazing. Yeah? So we say, thank you, Lord, for the abundance of rain and the increase that you're bringing. So the farmers in the area there... I mean, they're kind of like overflowing with gratitude. The grass is, is lush and green and tall, and the dams are full, and they're kind of like, we've never seen the district this good ever. It's like, yeah, you know, the rains of 1974. I mean, you've got to think back a long way to get to 1974. And they can remember, they said, but that brought about a lot of destruction. No destruction with these rains. So about that level of, in fact, actually, this is better than we've ever seen it or ever heard of. And the guys that I was was talking to, they were in their sort of mid-70s. They've been around that district their whole lives. Their families have been farming for generations. And to see the extent of the goodness in the natural in terms of what's taking place. So we said, okay, Lord, what are you doing in the supernatural? And then to see the building filled with people, like go and get extra chairs, kind of stuff. Are you seeing the, the, the correlation? Okay. So 
the Lord is doing unusual things. Have you not remarked amongst your friends over the last little while? It's like, this is such a crazy weather, summer. Is this, have we had summer? Did we have summer? It's like, what? I think we had summer for about two weeks. That was in November. And we had a heat wave. Do you remember that? I mean, I was wearing like long sleeve, extra, you know, warm clothes. This is ridiculous. This is meant to be summer. It's like, this is unseasonal. Anybody made those comments or heard people say that recently? Okay, okay, something is grabbing hold of our attention in the natural about what God's wanting to do in the supernatural. There's something unseasonal in terms of the outpouring of the Spirit that He's wanting to do. Is anybody excited about that? Okay, so let's link it to what the Lord is doing elsewhere on the planet. So, in 1970, a small university college in the United States, a place called Asbury, and I don't know that they even really believe much in the Holy Spirit because it's an evangelical college. I'm not sure. Didn't do enough research. But they started with just you know a bunch of students. I think they were hippies in those days. Actually, looking at the photographs, they weren't. They were reasonably okay. They started a prayer meeting, and then it just it just like carried on, and they went all night, and then they carried on the next day, and they were in the next night, and the next day, and the next 144 hours unbroken. Yeah. That was in 1970, and they wrote about this revival that took place in a couple of other universities, like Lee University, whatever, other places also, similar kind of thing happened. Fast forward to some prophetic words, and I'll try and tie it into what I'm going to see if I can talk about this morning. I was very unsuccessful in the first service. You better start praying now. So, prophetic word that came through one of these rather unusual prophetic guys in, um, in the 90s. And sort of more of a mystic kind of a, 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 a prophetic voice. And he prophesied a whole bunch of things. Um, I mean, in the, in, in the 1980s, he was prophesying that people around the world would have a TV in their, in their hand and they'd be watching what God was doing in the U.S. And so the guy who, who like was listening, this chap, Mike Bickle was listening to Bob Jones give the word. And he's kind of like, what? I mean, TVs are like this big. Like out there in the rice paddy fields in Asia, how are they going to drag their TVs there to be able to watch what's going on? And it's like, this is ridiculous. We didn't have internet back in those days. Some of us were still watching on black and white in the early 80s, yeah? Speaking about smartphones, so many things that just boggled the mind, the brains of people back then that we just kind of like, oh yeah, this is all, this is all natural. Yeah? Also prophesied, he said, that a particular American football team was going to win the Super Bowl. It was called the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And when the chiefs won, that it would be a sign that the Lord is raising up apostolic chiefs to bring godly order to the move of God. Because the Lord was going to pour out his spirit and one billion people were going to be swept into the kingdom of God. This is massive, right? Yeah. So we've heard of this phrase called the billion soul harvest. Okay, so this is where it came from, this prophetic word. And the chiefs were absolutely useless at playing American football. Really useless. Uh, until, almost miraculously, in 2020, which was exactly 50 years after they'd won it before, the Chiefs won. It's amazing. And they beat the San Francisco Giants back in 2020. Say, so oh, it's going to, wow, this prophetic word, like, whoa, it's going to happen. And then there wasn't really a whole, well, it was COVID. It was like the opposite manifest. Hey, there's a principle. Very often when there's a prophetic word, the opposite will manifest as a, some kind of a test. Like, are we going to hold on with faith and press through until we see the Lord bring the answer? Did the Lord say? And what are we, how are we positioning our hearts in faith and stewarding not being offended, but we continue to trust walking in right connection with him. Even though the, the opposite circumstances seem to be prevailing. There's a little principle there. But on Sunday night, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. This is amazing. Prophetic word was, when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, I'll pour out my spirit. So you remember that place I was talking about in 1970? Well, guess what's been going on? The same place, all these years later, they're having a prayer meeting, just an ordinary kind of prayer meeting. I watched the, the message of the guy who, who preached, and it was, I mean, it was good, but it was just ordinary. And the people are sitting on like wooden seats, not even cushions. There's no great lights or sound system or whatever. I mean, the musicians there, it's like somebody playing a T-top. No, a guitar, old school piano. That's it. And they started praying. And they carried on. Through the night, through the next day, through the next night, through the next day, through 144 hours. I think we're probably about 190 hours now. And um, remember that thing of people watching? TV's on the hand. Well, people are watching all around the world, and that thing has gone viral. And now, universities across the U.S. and touching very various other places around the world, the Lord is stirring up a hunger in people to just meet with Him. This is amazing. This is extraordinary. That whole thing that had been prophesied, we're actually experiencing. 
So I am super amped in terms of what the Lord is doing. The abundant rain and the field, like we've never seen it this good, ever. Churches packed. Chiefs win the Super Bowl. People praying. Oh my goodness. The Lord's up to something. These are good days. Now, if I was going to preach, which I may yet try, we've been looking for a little bit about New Testament prophetic ministry and contrasting the fact that many believers have an old covenant mindset and mentality around the prophetic. And they superimpose the old covenant model onto New Testament ministry. And we can go wrong quite easily because we are not stepping into the superior covenant. And we're not stepping into yielding and walking in the things of the Spirit the way He wants us to. Jesus put it like this. He said, you cannot put new wine into an old wineskin. Oh yes, He said that. But it amazes me how in this area, people are so happy to have the old wineskin of the prophetic and don't even ask questions about it. So I'm just stirring the pot a little bit. All right? A lot. Because I think the Lord's got much more for us. And if we just keep hankering after the old, we won't let it go, let loose of it, in order that we might receive the new. Does it make sense? So there's a, there's a dissatisfaction that's coming with that old model. And I believe the Holy Spirit is deliberately agitating. Like, no, actually we don't want that thing. Because we're called to so much more and so much better. And we've spoken a, a few times about some of the things that can be, you know, just distractions or, or even traps with regards to that old covenant model. Like the old, the old style prophet who's out there, you know, in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey and dressing funny and whatever and like boom speaking judgment and all the rest of it as opposed to the new covenant new testament that the prophets are actually part of the church they're not outside shouting at the church they're actually inside modeling something because we're brothers and sisters in christ yeah it's not the old covenant where the holy spirit would come upon only a few special select individuals we're in the new testament the new covenant i'll pour my spirit on all flesh so we all get to hear his voice we all get to walk in discernment we all have the holy spirit leading us yeah so i don't need to run to my favorite guru prophet man of god give me a word we don't have to do that we're not living under someone else's you know influence or words 
Give us today our daily bread. So we're not turning New Testament prophetic people into psychics. We're not putting a wrong expectation on prophetic ministry as though we were at the carnival and then we go to the fortune teller, which we don't. Which we don't. When scripture is really clear about consulting mediums and all the rest of it, this is like this spiritual witchcraft stuff, so we don't do that stuff. But it's amazing how in the charismatic world we, we, we tend to have a similar kind of thought process like, I need a prophet. Tell me my future. Who will I marry? How many kids will I have? Where will I live? What's my next promotion at work? I need a word. It's that same mentality that we put on New Testament prophetic voices that is actually fortune telling. It's wrong. It's not how we're supposed to live our lives. Mm -hmm. I was just sharing earlier how the prophetic comes to affirm and to confirm what the Lord's already speaking into our hearts. Because we are led by the Spirit. He's speaking into our hearts. Yeah? So, let me just tell you a little bit of my story. When I was about eight years old, um, we were attending a, a small little youth group. Actually, not youth. What do they call it? Children's group, I guess. And it was called the Monkey Club. Now, politically correct in those days, it was fine. You could call kids monkeys. You know, my dad called us, you know, what are you monkeys up to? Uh, and it wasn't derogatory. It was just, you know, playful family term. Okay? In those days, it meant something different from what it means now. The use of words changes. All right. Anyway, so we were at Monkey Club. And it was fine. It was good. You know. And came back Friday night. And at our house, there were these renewal meetings that were taking place. And the, there was the, about 120 people just worshiping the Lord and um, just yeah, having a good old time. And as a youngster, I know, about eight years old, seven, eight years old, I snuck into the dining room, which is next to this meeting room. The lights were out, whatever. It was a hot summer's night, and the windows and doors were all wide open. And I'm listening to what's going on there. I'm eavesdropping, if you like. Because there's a hunger that's in me for kind of what's going on. But I'm not supposed to be there because I'm a kid, and they're all adults. And as I'm sitting there in the dark, I can, I can take you to the spot where I was. So... It's etched here. And I felt the Lord just drop into my heart that one day I would be a pastor of pastors. I'm about eight years old. Now this is crazy because, I mean, those days we didn't have terminology like fivefold ministry, whatever. The Lord speaks to us in how we can relate, you know. 
And it's kind of like, okay, well, that's a bit weird. But I hid it in my heart. I didn't tell anybody, not even my parents, like for years. And people say, are oh, you going to follow in your daddy's footsteps? was the worst thing anybody. It's always this old ladies with whiskers. <laughs> are you going to follow in your daddy's footsteps? I'm sure they meant well, but gosh, as a little kid, it was like, freaked me out, man. You know? There's a principle in you that I'm going to try and share. And that is, the Lord can bring a word, but we live being led by the Spirit. This is Ezekiel. I'll take out your heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. I'll put a new spirit within you. And I will move you to follow my ways. The Lord can speak into our hearts, but, this, but he's going to move us. He's going to cause us to be in the right place at the right time. So this, this, the Holy Spirit gives us a word that, that helps us to know, kind of like, okay, I'm sort of in the right direction here. But I'm not living in order to make the prophetic word happen. This is not Saul in his own strength trying to hold it all together. Remember, Samuel didn't rock up. Samuel says, dude, I'll meet you and we'll do sacrifice and it'll all go well. And Samuel doesn't rock up. This is King Saul. Né? And Samuel doesn't rock up. And eventually the people are getting restless like it's a long sermon and they get restless. <laughs> and um, and you kind of like, I'd better make a plan for the word, if you like, to be fulfilled. And so he says, all right, I will do the sacrifice. It wasn't his job to do. He's no sooner started performing the ritual of the sacrifice. It's old covenant stuff, right? And Samuel, phew, this is like God's supernatural timing. All of a sudden, he rocks up. And the thing that Saul could have had, the kingdom was ripped from Saul that day. Why? Because he tried to make something happen. The something was, you know, you rule the people, you'll have that authority, all that kind of stuff. It was a, obviously... You know, that context, but the point I'm trying to make is he tried to fulfill it. When we receive a word and if we try to fulfill it, we're going to cause things to go horribly wrong. So in our kind of terminology, we say we don't live to fulfill our prophetic words. God will fulfill his word to us. He's just giving us a little bit of, you know, like, dude, it's roughly in this vector over here. Like, don't go over there, and don't go over there. Here's the vector. It's like, well, is it a little bit this way? Or is it a little bit that way? Stay in the vector, you'll be all right. Like, I better find the one to get married to. Like the one. Really? 
if I don't get the, the one, then maybe I've married the wrong person. So if the one does something that causes you a little bit of discomfort, talking nice little terms, all the married people are giving me that look. Oh, maybe I married the wrong one. No, no, you married the right one. You married the one you chose. It's like, choose one, live with them, and do the kingdom stuff. Preach the gospel wherever you go, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead. Yeah, but I've got to get the one. Find somebody that you're really happy to spend the next hundred years of your life with. And then... Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead. Yeah, but what if they're not the one? Listen, man. The Bible. Isaac needs a wife. Yeah? No probs. I'll send the servant to go and find one for you. It turned out just fine. The one. No, man. Just will that person that you like preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, and raise the dead with you? And do you like being with them? Because a hundred years is a long time. Choose somebody and just do it. Oh, I need a prophetic. No, you don't need a prophetic word. The Lord will guide your footsteps. You just bump into them. It's kind of like, hmm, that's nice. <laughs> Listen, you've got to live with the person, not God. Don't put it on him. You, you choose and you live with them. And stay with it, man. Yeah? All right. One day, be a pastor to pastors. Took 32 years before I began to step into that. 32 years. Sometimes when you get a prophetic word, we think, boom, it's going to happen next week. No. I mean, I went and, because my dad, he said, listen, you've got to have something to talk about. You better do some life. And if you're going to be dealing with people in business and all the rest of it, how about you go and study business? You've got something intelligent to say to them. Okay. All right. I'm in the vector. Do my BCom. Do all these things. Work in business. But Lord, I'm yours. And, and what does he do? He orders our footsteps. So when we look back, it's kind of like, oh, I'm about here now, which is sort of in line with what was said over here at eight years old. But I'm, and then the prophetic words can come 
Maybe even internationally. doesn't matter. But they come as a confirmation. Sometimes it's a confirmation for us. Okay, so what you heard as an eight-year-old was right. It's confirmation. Sometimes the word is that other people can know. Oh, so this is why you're acting all like that. Yeah? All right. We don't live out to fulfill our words to make them happen in our own strength. We say, Lord, here am I. Not my will, but yours. We don't turn prophetic people into fortune tellers. We just say, Lord, I'm yours. And even if at one point the lie, (laughs) the lie comes, oh, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong spouse. So, Lord, even if you didn't, but even if you believed the lie that you'd married the wrong person, he can still use the wrong person. So let's not buy the lie of the enemy like there's somebody better for you around the corner. No, no, no. Let's not go there. Lord, thank you. You will cause your word to be fulfilled. I'm going to trust in you. Flat, flat, Mastorius 8, as is Eskim in two minutes. So would you stand? Can we just say thank you, Lord, that you're speaking? Holy Spirit, you're alive. You're speaking into our hearts. You confirm deep within. Your ways, your plans, your desires for us. You've caused us to like certain things. That's part of you moving us to be in the right place at the right time. You you put a desire in us to study that particular thing that when we put our hand to it, we get so excited about it that we bring you glory in the mundane. The glory of God is seen. That's in your will. That's fulfilling your prophetic purpose for our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the one that we're married to. We recognize, actually, you've orchestrated all of this. And even the tough bits, you're causing those things to turn out for good, that we might be less selfish in future, more attentive to somebody else, that we, as iron sharpens iron, we'd be sharper in the future. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can be in complete peace knowing that you've got this, you've got us.